you have to have that really good foundation at the start. Absolutely. Welcome to Love is a Classroom, Stories of Inclusion, a podcast that aims to serve as a bridge for a more inclusive world. I'm your host, Andrew Goff. Joining me are teachers, parents, and advocates who dedicate their lives to breaking down barriers and fostering a more inclusive world for children with and without disabilities. We'll hear their stories, learn from their experiences, and discover practical ways we can all contribute to building a society where everyone belongs without conditions. Today, I'm here with... Anita Hamilton. I am Archer's mom. I'm Zach Hamilton. They'll share their story about Archer's transition from preschool with Miss Rochelle into a general education kindergarten classroom. We'll talk along the way about the necessity for communication, the importance of continuity, receiving a one-to-one aid, their fears, priorities, and advocating for Archer. This is the first of a two-part episode with Anita and Zach. Subscribe to receive a notification for the release of the second episode. By the time Archer went into kindergarten, he had been lucky enough to be in preschool for two years. So by that time, the routine that we had for school was pretty well established. But then new fears and stuff would come about. But because of Mr. Shell and the lead teacher that he had, we were really able to talk through those kind of quickly. And they didn't stay fears very long. Can you describe the bridge between preschool and kindergarten? The staff was already well aware of who he was, what his immediate needs were, what his equipment limitations were. And so they already had a really good idea of what worked and what didn't work in regards to Archer. And I, I credit most of that to Miss Rochelle. She absolutely was a blessing for our family. I don't think she understands how much she means to us or how much she has done for us over the years. So when Archer went from preschool to kindergarten, the bridge between the classes I felt was almost non-existent because of that foundation that we already built. I mean, obviously there were concerns about how he'd handle being away from home for a full day as opposed to a half day, but every new kindergartner goes through that. There were different questions we had going into it, but really it was pretty seamless. His team was the same. He had the same physical therapist, the same occupational therapist, speech was the same. Really the only change that was made was going to be his teacher and the fact that he had been put with a one-to-one aide. That was really the only change and it, it really felt pretty seamless for us. We went into a kindergarten with a more relaxed and trusting disposition than we did when he first started school. By this time, he had been assigned a one-on-one aide. This was someone who was going to be by his side the entirety of the school day. And because of the excellent care that he had received from Miss Rochelle in preschool, we thought that that was just the way that it was. And every para that was assigned to him would have the same care and passion for including him that Miss Rochelle gave him in preschool. So we weren't worried. What kind of was a worry for me, not in the sense of, of the care side, but it was more on Archer and his equipment that we were starting to finally get from the insurance. He now had a new power chair, and this was something that he had not had in preschool. And this kind of added a whole new set of challenges and concerns as well. For example, he was a new driver. 
he didn't know really how to maneuver this chair that he just got. And I was kind of concerned, you know, how would staff and students be mindful of this new chair? And then because of this chair, it was also much larger than his push chair that he had to begin with. So what about his bathroom situation? Would they be able to utilize the bathroom the same way that, they, that he had done for the last two years? Or was this all going to be a new experience and a new learning thing for him that I didn't really want to have him do again? There were a lot of things that we didn't think about when it came to his equipment. He had only been at school for half day for the last two years. Kindergarten was going to be a full day. That means he was going to eat a meal there. And he struggled with joking and he eats slower than other children. He would be needing more time than they're given. He was going to be in a PE classroom for the first time and he's in a wheelchair. How how are they going to incorporate him with the class? There were fears that he would be stuck on the sidelines watching the other kids play and not able to participate. There were also fears of him not socializing with his peers. Like at recess, we didn't want him only socializing with his aide. And being that she was right by his side all day, it would be easy for him to just only talk to her throughout the day and not engage with his peers. That's a good point. We, we really were concerned about him socializing with kids his age, and, and we wanted him to make friends in school, obviously, like any parent would. But Archer talked really, really slow. It was very difficult, unless you were around him all the time, to always understand what it was he was trying to say. And he would not really make eye contact with someone when he was talking to you. He would always look up. And so my concern was at the time, how are these kids going to react when, when they ask him a question, he doesn't respond right away, and looks away when he's trying to respond? I, I didn't want them to think he was being rude, and, and I don't think that he, they would have handled it that way, but you know, it's just a fear that a parent has. How, how will other kids handle the same disability that he has in the classroom? You shared several concerns about eating, toileting, mobility, and socialization. This despite the consistency and strong connection between preschool and kindergarten. Why? Why did you have these concerns still? For me, it was more of, you know, when Archer went to preschool, he was there for just half a day. And it was a lot. He was going to full day. We were working on potty training. We were working on him eating and kind of graduating him away from us always feeding him every meal and cutting every meal up. So there was a lot of transition for not just the school side, but family side as well. He was going to physical therapy once or twice a week. He was learning how to eat on his own. Potty training a child that has a disability is hard. And so it was more of how are we able to do all of this? And now he's not at home most of the day. How can we ensure that his needs are met when he is away from us because his school did tell us, you know, we're, we're not allowed to pick him up. We're not allowed to do this. We're not allowed to do that. But yet he can't go to the bathroom on his own. So how are we going to get him from his wheelchair to the toilet if he has to go to the bathroom if you can't pick him up? So those are some of the fears that we had that kind of had to just trust in what they were telling us. They knew he had to go to the bathroom. They they knew they had to figure it out. Let's hope to God they figured it out. Well, and it changes through for every classroom every year for children anyway. Uh, the classroom is different. The teacher is different. The situation is different. In our case, the preschool was held in a different building than the kindergarten classroom was. 
So now he's joining the main building with the rest of schools. He's not just interacting with only his classroom. Now he's interacting with the entire school. The fourth graders are seeing him, the fifth graders, the first graders, you know, he's in a cafeteria with all of these children and they'd maybe not had seen him before unless they saw us going in and out of the building for preschool. They really had no interaction with him at all. So there were concerns with that. He's in this big wheelchair. We were worried he was going to hurt someone. He's ran over my foot many, many times. I was really concerned with running over a little toe. And so I think that just the change from the other building to the main building was just a huge fear for us. Can you say more about Archer's one-to-one para? Who decided he needed a one-to-one? Was it based on your fears, the school's concerns, district policies? The district had a lot to do with that decision as well as our own. We know that he was unable to move himself from the toilet to his chair and such and move himself around the classroom. And he had one hand that works pretty well and one that does not work at all. So given the fact that he really only had one hand to do things with, to do his schoolwork with and and things like that. He just needed a lot of help throughout the day. And the logical thing to do would be to have someone by his side the whole time. In a situation like before, where Rochelle is really the aide for the, the entire preschool, that's the case in, in my classroom that I work in as well. I'm the aide for the entire classroom. But most of our time is being spent with this student. And that isn't fair to the class. That isn't fair to the teacher. That isn't fair to the aide. So it just made sense to hire someone who was assigned just to him and that she could be there for him and give him all the support that he needs without taking away from the classroom. Archer really struggled because he needed so much help from his aide and guidance from her and the help in the lunchroom and just wheeling down the hallway that he did spend most of his time just talking to her. He really didn't start knowing any of his classmates' names or really talking about anyone that he had had conversations with. He really didn't open up and socialize with his peers for many, many years. When he started to finally socialize with his peers, learning names was so difficult for him. He would come home and tell bits and pieces of stories of conversations that he had where he would see someone at a store that we were going to, and he'd say, they're in my class. I'm like, oh yeah, who is that? And he, he wouldn't know. And it was very hard because we wanted him to feel included and we wanted him to have that experience, but it, it seemed like there was just something kind of holding him back. And I, would, I don't know if it was just the fear of what he was going through with his disability or if it was just all new, but we wanted him to have that. And it was hard for a while. It really was. It was also difficult with the school and the resources that we had. We lived in a very small town. There wasn't a lot of, a lot of resources for a kid of Archer's disabilities to go to school and enjoy certain things. You had concerns of Archer's lack of socialization with that one-to-one para by his side. Can you talk a little bit more about those concerns? There is a fear there when he started having that para with him that he was only going to communicate with her and because he needed so much help, not anything that she would have done on purpose, but just in that she needed to help him so much that there was a possibility that he was going to have less socializing time with his peers. 
because he needed so much help and we just wanted him to have the opportunity to make friends just like any other child would but there's always a fear there and really there just has to be a boundary that is made where she's encouraging him to talk with his peers and not just with her and it took years before he understood I mean he was super young so they don't understand he's sitting with her all the time so of course he's going to be talking to her he didn't realize that he needed to go beyond her and also talk with his peers so it's not anything that she would have been doing wrong it's just something you know natural that he has to learn to adapt to did you have any conversations with the para or teacher or the IEP team about the involvement of the para? It was just, we were all adjusting to this new situation and where his one-to-one was with him at all times. You just have to figure out the appropriate way for her to be there for support without hindering his socialization. We talk so much about the next steps are that we're going to experience with this next year. What concerns do we have? And we've been really good about voicing those concerns to the school. We're never going to do anything that we have the slightest doubt that something won't be at least like a a plan of attack for. If you can't have him go to the bathroom at school, then we're going to figure something out. I'm not sending my kid to school in diapers because you guys can't take him to the bathroom. That's just not fair to him. Our concern was, will his need be met? And and we talked about that. And so Anita was really good about making sure that all of our questions were answered. She was a huge part of the IEP team. She was the one that took him to OT. She was the one that took him to PT. So they knew, she knew in the intimate conversations that she'd have with them, what requirements were needed. And she was able to voice this at the school. Well, and I can be the bridge between the two sets because him seeing PT and OT and speech in a clinic, those experiences I can share with the school and so they can implement kind of the same things that they've been working on so that we can all be on the same page. How do you balance serving Archer's medical needs, academic needs, and social needs? Does one ever take priority over the other? Well, obviously the first and most important thing is that he is safe and that's with any child you want your children to be safe in the classroom and of course his medical needs need to be met as well he does need help going to the bathroom and so there were conversations on how they could make that happen when he was in preschool they had a a restroom in the classroom and that's what he would use but when he graduated to that power chair was much larger it obviously doesn't fit through a small bathroom like that. So now when he was in kindergarten, he's having to leave the classroom and go to say the nurse's office to use the larger restroom. So that's taking time where he has to not only tell them that he needs to use the restroom in time, but they have to allot that time also for going all the way down the hallway and getting there in time. And so there were many, many accidents. He figured out when he needed to tell and they could watch for signs that maybe he needed to go when he's that young. It has all just been a big learning process throughout his career. Peers will internalize messages based on what their observations are and the messages that they see adults communicating with one another and what they're communicating to a child. Do you feel like 
those experiences prevented the amount of socialization that you would have liked. I do believe that 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 time that is taken away from the classroom definitely had an impact. I'm not saying that anyone did anything wrong or hindered him at all in the kindergarten classroom. I'm merely saying that the fact that he has to leave the classroom for such a long period of time, I mean, that 20 minutes, 25 minutes, whatever it takes to get down the hallway and then for him to go and get cleaned up and come back, that's taking away from time that he's able to be in the classroom and that's taking away from his learning and taking away from his socialization. It's also very disruptive for the class as a whole. Instead of him being able to quietly excuse himself from the class to get to the bathroom, he has to drive his chair around the desk, have someone open the door for him, have someone follow him. It's embarrassing yet everyone knows where he's going. He can't just sneak out and sneak back in. And, and that was another issue that I was like, this, this is gonna be a thing, you know? That year, I transported Archer on their field trip. We met the buses at the location, and I helped him meet up with his class. But the place that we had gone to really wasn't that accessible. And the kids would be playing on the playground, and he can't do that. So, But because I was there, I was able to take him out of this chair. Because he is so little still, I could take him out of his chair. I could lift him up and take him down the slide myself. But had I not been there to do that, I just wonder what other activity he would have had to have been doing while all the kids were playing together on the playground. Yeah, his aide wouldn't have been able to pick him up. No, they're not allowed to. Right. So that's always a concern. And I didn't mind. I never mind taking time off of work. But not every parent has the freedom to do that. I think that there's just a lot more ground that needs covered when it comes to inclusivity in the classroom and in the schools. Yeah, that's that's a good point. No matter how much you fight for inclusivity or how much planning you have before the year, how much communication you have with his age or with his teachers, there's always something that happens where exceptions have to be made. For example, like taking the day off of work and go on a field trip because they can't accommodate him. That's, it's, that's just something that you, you can't avoid no matter how hard you try. But I kind of feel with the communication that we've been able to establish with the schools and the relationships that we've built with both his aide and his teachers and the schools and the the community around him, those situations are becoming fewer and farther between, but they're still there. You recognize that not every family is able to take time off of work. Do you have recommendations for families who cannot take that time off or are limited in their resources? I think the best thing to do is not to be afraid to ask questions. When Archer was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, we knew that he was going to have to have occupational therapy and physical therapy. So when he started to get to the age of going to school, they told us these are some of the things that he may need. Okay, well, how do we go about getting those? What exactly is it that he needs? What is it for? Is it something that we go from place to place with like a wheelchair or is it a standard that he only uses half an hour every day to stretch out his legs? Do we need to have one at school and at home? We had to ask all these questions, almost annoyingly so, ask them again and again and again. So when it got to that point where now we know this is what's happening, this is how we go about doing it. And physical therapists who specialize in work with pediatric kids, they are familiar with resources that can be utilized. So go and utilize those and then ask those resources. What else is there that we can do to help my child succeed in what we need him to do or what he needs to do? 
and then utilize those resources and then ask them, what else can we do? If you just say, oh, my doctor's saying we need to do this or do this. Well, how do we do it? I don't know. You're not doing any justice to you or your child. Ask the questions, do the footwork, make the 15 calls if you need to. Just advocate. What can we do to prepare teachers and sometimes administrators, directors, to be more inclusive. The continuation of research and workshops for educators to learn about things that they may not have any education on. And I just, I think the continuation of always looking for ways that you can support students that might not be atypical. Everyone learns in different ways and there's visual aids and visual learners and learners who learn just by reading and I don't see why that can't be extended into more physical disabilities and making adaptations for those students as well. Do you have any resources that you could lend? Are there Facebook pages or social media pages or, or websites that are groups that you engage with that have been helpful? I started an Instagram for Archer really just because I was feeling alone and not sure I was making the right decisions. And once I did that, he has connected with so many families that are going through the same things or similar things. And we can talk now as a community and I can ask for advice. It's really about not feeling like you're alone. I've read books. Actually, one of the biggest books that I read that really helped me in the beginning, I read this book by Zach Hanner and he's a comedian with cerebral palsy. And I'm reading through this book and there are parts where he's eating his snack on the floor as a college student. And that really made me feel like I'm not doing anything wrong. If Archer, if the easiest way for him to eat his afternoon snack is laying on the floor, then let him. If that's easiest for your family, do what's best for you. And really just the connections that I've been able to make with other families that have a child with disability. That's really all it is, is not feeling like you're alone. We were so blessed in the beginning and in not just preschool, but the years after that, that I'd feel like we had this opportunity straight out of the gate to know what he was going to need and what we needed to do to support him and what the schools would need to do to support him to where we really don't have to have many conversations with the schools anymore. They know him. They know his personality. They love him. They want him included. And we were just really, really blessed. Well, Zach and Anita, thank you so much for joining us on Love is a Classroom Stories of Inclusion, sharing your stories, your experiences, and what you learned along the way. You're so welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this. I really did. Zach and Anita's words reveal the value of communicating and advocating from the start. The foundation created in Miss Rochelle's preschool classroom set the tone for all of Archer's education from then on. In the second part of this episode, we will talk about Archer as Archer, a kid who enjoys being with friends and music, not Archer, the child with cerebral palsy. Thank you for listening to Love as a Classroom, Stories of Inclusion. Please subscribe to the podcast, post a review, and share our episodes. You can follow us at Love as a Classroom on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. 
If you're a teacher, parent, or advocate who would like to share your story, please go to loveisaclassroom.com, click on contact, and share a brief summary of your experience. Until next time, choose love, choose inclusion. Thank you.